Welcome everyone to Hit the Books. I'm Thomas Casali with my man CC. How's it going today, CC? Can't complain. Pretty boring Monday slate, but uh, we have plenty of to talk about from the weekend, from the weeks ahead. So uh, a lot going on. Yes, and this Hit the Book segment on the Hammer Betting Network is presented by Circus Sports, the king of sports books. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Experience big bet, big bet at bets with the highest betting limits, better money line splits with the lowest hold percentage, best customer service, and more. Sports betting on the go has never been better. Now you can download your new bookie at CircusSports.com. Um, I know you were in Vegas recently, people in Vegas for the Super Bowl, Circus Sports <laughs> going to be loaded this Sunday, CC. I know that much. Um, looking at, let's go back to this weekend though, uh, some college basketball, some thoughts, look into the futures market here a little bit. You know, uh, Gonzaga loses again in a game. Listen, no shame to lose at St. Mary's, but in a game, they had no business losing. They, they were way ahead in that game. Uh, they, they were setting the tempo, setting the pace, and then they just got shut down. Here's my problem with Gonzaga. They just don't have enough backcourt scoring. Like You know, like it, it's Drew Timmy, and then where do you get the other scoring in a game like that? Uh, they had plenty of chances to win. They couldn't get uh, big baskets. What are your thoughts on the Zags moving forward here? Yeah, I think the St. Mary's has to get a little bit of credit there, fourth in the nation in tempo, uh, I mean, in defensive metrics. That said, I felt kind of good about the Gonzaga loss. Like, this was a team that was a three-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, they dominated the entire game, went to overtime, didn't cover in overtime. But if, if you take objectively, like the majority of that game, they were the better team. And St. Mary's is seventh in the nation. So uh, I don't look too hard against them. I do agree that uh, their offense is is very reliant on Drew Timmy right now. They're going to have to have some people step up. But they do have pieces that are very efficient. So like, Watson is... Uh, 123 offensive metrics. Malachi Smith, 131 offensive rating. Uh, they do they do struggle uh, in the backcourt, I will say. And I think they struggle versus a team like a Baylor, for sure. Um, but I do think that in a year that's so weird, so plagued by no dominant team, um, Gonzaga definitely doesn't, doesn't scare me by any means. I, I still feel pretty good on the bet overall at the price we got. Do I think that they are a top three, top four, top five team in the nation? No. Uh, but we got, what, 34 to 1? Uh, so I think that basically just concise, are they a top 12 team? And I, I would say in most cases, I think that they're a top 12 team for sure. Well, you mentioned no dominant teams. And that's a segue into what I want to talk about today in the futures market. Uh, I, I've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter and DMs. You know, how are you looking at this year's tournament? Seems wide open. For me, what my recommendation would be, even as we get closer to March and you see the see the brackets i think like they say it's wide open right cc it's not wide open that that means more than four or five teams can win it yeah wide open means you get you got like eight nine ten teams maybe that can win it you know i i don't think i like kansas state i don't think kansas state's going to win the national championship uh one of the things i would do maybe is look at teams with talent who didn't quite live up to regular season expectations that have good value because the tournament gives everybody a clean slate and you're not, you don't have to go through a powerhouse this year. What are your thoughts and how are you attacking the futures market? Yeah, I think that the futures market this year is, is unique. Um, every year, basically since I've started betting, so probably seven years at this point, I bet one team uh, preseason, the team that I think is going to win it, win or lose. I could be right. could be wrong. And I've had okay success with that, but this year I felt like that was probably too high a variance because 
there's no team that I feel confident at the price preseason was as good as people were giving them out to be. Like Houston is the best team in the nation right now, but I don't think that they're six to one by any means. Where this whole story is going with is is times like this weekend. I think this weekend is a good point and a pivot to uh, the ability to pick up teams and build a, a futures portfolio uh, of teams that are down in the short term, but in the long term, still really good basketball teams. So uh, I picked up a Purdue this morning at 12 to 1, 13 to 1 or something after a loss on Saturday. This is a Purdue team, what, 22 and 2. Uh, they've looked good. They have the most dominant player in the nation. They have okay guards. Do I think Purdue wins? Probably not. I don't think that they have the guard play overall. Uh, but to pick them up at 12 to 1, what is you can get 14. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to be able to pick up these teams uh, after just small subjective losses, I picked up a little bit of Arizona. Though I don't like them, I picked up a little bit of Alabama. Uh, just, to, just to continue building a, a portfolio of just like teams that if you gave me a million, like I have eight teams currently. It might be six to eight, but I think in most every single case, one of those eight teams are a March Madness winner. So uh, either a big win with the Gonzaga or a UCLA or Baylor, either of those three would do me well. And then just some some hedge outs with like a small Alabama whenever you could buy them good or a small Purdue. Yeah, I mean, I do similar to you. I bet two before the season. I'll bet one that I really like, like I took Baylor at 16-1. to And then I'll take a one with higher odds, which I got the night of the championship game. I got Creighton at 80 and 100-1. to Creighton is one of those teams that I mentioned that maybe started slow, but people people like maybe they have a chance in the tournament. Now I think, you know, it's interesting. Why don't I get your thoughts on this? That Baylor bandwagon is starting to rev back up again. I'll be completely honest, as somebody who could win 22K on them if they win it all, I don't think Creighton is as good as I thought they were going to be. I think they have a lot of holes. I, you know, I thought this team would be a little bit more dynamic on offense and a little bit better defensively in the paint. Um, I, I'm not overly impressed with them. We'll see what happens in the tournament, but I just see a lot of stuff on Twitter that's getting back to the watch out for Creighton, watch out for Creighton. I hope they're right. What do you think? Yeah, I have watched this Creighton team a few times, and I agree. There's just uh, a little bit to be desired. Like even going through their metrics, uh, Cogburner is is seventh in the nation in offensive efficiency, which is amazing. Uh, but then they really don't have anybody. I mean, Trey Alexander, 370th in the nation. Uh, they have Nemhard, but he hasn't really done much. So they don't have a ton of back-end potential. I think the ticket you're sitting on that is much better, even though the price isn't reflecting of much better. Uh, I really like this Baylor team. I've talked about them a few times yeah. on the show, watched them more on Saturday. I think this Baylor team, they, if you if you gave me a chance to restart fresh slate uh, preseason, I would, have, I would take Baylor right now for sure. I think this team has the pieces, the intangibles. The issue for me, and, and what I do every March Madness basically is, you can't have one guy that wins March Madness for you. We've seen Jimmer Fredette's right. go down time and time again. You have to have a team that has the ability to isolate in as many spots as they need to. And I just don't know how you guard. Like, Purdue has Edie. Gonzaga has uh, Drew Timmy. But, like, LJ Cryer could have five points and Baylor win a basketball game because they have Jalen Bridges, who's played outstanding as of late. Adam Flagler, great basketball player. Keontae George, probably the top ten pick. Like, Flo... I didn't even realize Flo was still there. He's been there since 2019. So, like, this is a team that just has the pieces, the athletic ability to guard most everybody. I think the issue is they'll struggle with a big man uh, as Flo is 6'10". But he's athletic. So, I, I still think that 
Uh, in most cases, they cause more matchup issues than they do have concerns overall with this Baylor team. They're what, like 22 to 1 currently. Uh, yeah. And I really like this Baylor team. Yeah, me too. I think you're right, though. We got to, when you see the, see that bracket, when we, you know, I think we're going to be rooting against any team with a big front line. Uh, we're going to be rooting against them to get knocked out early, right? That That's that's the team that's going to beat Baylor, a team with a rugged, big front line that can kind of push them around a little bit. Uh, there's not many of those teams in there, but if they have to come off, go against one of those, I, I think that could be problematic. But I agree, that guard play, I think, is going to be something to watch in March. I think some people forgot about Baylor, but they're, they're playing well. And again, I know it's hard. It's not a lot of people watch college basketball like we do CC and, and, and it's hard, but you got to be careful for those teams that peak too early. You know, right. The classic example was Auburn last year. If the NCAA tournament was in late January, Auburn might have won it. But by the time we got to March, they were just uh, they were running on fumes. Uh, so you got you got to watch that stuff and it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a really fun tournament. A lot of things are going to go on. Uh, and there's two teams, to, uh, four teams tonight playing CC that could be a, be factors in the tournament. Biggest game of the night on Monday, Kansas and Texas. Uh I think this is an interesting game. You know, I, Texas, I'm having a hard time getting a good read on since Beard left. I know you, you're you high on Kansas overall. How are you looking at this game? Yeah, I think that um, Kansas has its issues, and we saw them on Saturday. I bet Kansas money line in that game. Uh, the, their issues, it's up to four now at this point. I think it was three this morning. Uh, that number, 145, was 147 this morning. So we're seeing some buy on Kansas and the under. Uh, and I would agree with both of those. I think that the biggest issue here is we saw it on Saturday is Kansas is very soft. They, they get pushed around. They, uh, they don't really have the bigs to cover your bigs. And in the Iowa State matchup, I really wasn't worried. I thought that they, they had enough. Um, Iowa State isn't incredibly massive. They're not. I, I wouldn't say that the most talented team in the nation. Um, the issue is the refs did not stop that, that clock ever. They, they, no whistles. They let the game happen. And I don't think it was one-sided. It was it was two ways. Like it wasn't a bad officiated game by any means. It's just the type of game that I think Kansas falls every single time to. I think if in March Madness they don't get whistles uh, on charges, they're done for. They had 20 turnovers in that game uh, versus 10 for Iowa State. They just didn't know what to do when they were getting pushed and bodied around. It's because they have a really small lineup overall, and they just aren't willing to push around. Like Jalen Wilson was is their best player, but he, he basically had to shoot threes the whole first half because he just didn't want to touch the ball in the post. Uh, I think that Texas doesn't have anybody to do that really. Dylan DeSue, I mean, I don't consider him very dangerous, uh, big body anyways. Timmy Allen uh, would rather take a little bit of a floater. So I don't think Texas has the ability to, to jab in that wound that this Kansas team has. And then other than that, Kansas really doesn't have any flaws. And so I think that te- Texas just matches up pretty bad overall. Uh, interesting for me is Texas is top 100 in the nation in tempo. And just from the games I've watched, I don't think that they actually want to be top 100. I think that was more of a testament of Marcus Carr picking up his team when, when they really were struggling with like a coaching transition and just finding an identity. I think that was a Marcus Carr-based tempo, not an actual Texas-based tempo. So uh, I would be surprised to see Texas at the end of the year still be 94th in tempo. Yeah, and you mentioned something interesting about Saturday. Uh, Iowa State is a team that fouls a ton. Um, they play aggressive on the perimeter, uh, you know, and it's really going to be how is the game called when you get to the tournament. 
So that that'll be something because you get those you get those refs typically in the tournament don't call as many fouls, but you get these crews that like to blow that whistle. That's going to be a negative for an Iowa State team that's really aggressive pressuring the ball. Yeah, I think that it's good. I think Iowa State's pressure overall and foul happiness is plenty fine. I think the issue on the other side is like I, I think that Kansas has to have two guys that go okay, like they're going to foul and they're not going to call it. Like we have to be able to step up. And right now, I just I don't think that they have that. They need they need a body who can just go power through those fouls and continue to score. And I just right now they really don't. Jalen Wilson kind of backed out and started shooting threes. So uh, until they get that, I don't think that they are as rounded and as formed as we thought that they were two weeks ago. All right. Hey, Joe, Joe ever, he, he had a tough one on Saturday. He said he has the Zags money line hard. So <laughs> he, he suffered a tough one and the bad man said, uh, you have to take 34 to one price on Gonzaga at, at any day of the week. Uh, we agree again, you got to remember, like we're breaking down these teams, but we don't know what the brackets look like. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga might get in a bracket where if they get a team or two here that lose and they win, you could get some good matchups. So, like, I'm sure you do the same thing, CC. You just mentioned a couple of teams. We're betting teams with where we see value, right? Like, we, we don't have a crystal ball. The, the, the bracketology is bracketology, but they don't know who's going to play who. So you're looking for teams, right? You're looking like you you just said, I don't know if Purdue's going to win it. I don't love their guard play. But at this number, with the most dominant player in college basketball, I'm going to take a shot with the Boilermakers. Yeah, for sure. It's all about price of entry and uh, picking up as many pieces as you can. Because, like again, and the other way around, Gonzaga might get the easiest strength of schedule to the Final Four we've ever seen. So uh, to yep. be sitting on a team that can force issues if they don't, um, and still have the potential to do so, I think is a good thing in most cases, especially if you can get like a one-two seed. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about a, a really tough front-end scheduling it by any means. All right, so the other game on Monday, CC, that uh, you know that, that people are going to want to watch here is Duke and Miami. This was a good game. They played a couple weeks ago in Duke. Duke won by two. Tonight in Miami, this is an interesting game. I watched that Duke Miami the first game. You know these teams look pretty close. I think if Miami shoots well from the outside, they have an edge. Do you like anything in this matchup? Yeah, I think this one's really interesting because in the last matchup, Isaiah Wong was sick and he played. Yep. Um, and then what? Whitehead played. He's out. Um, and so there's a lot of different factors, and you're you're headed to Miami. So I think all of these things point towards a Miami team that uh, should be able to get it done. This number was four this morning. It's down to three. And though I just said two positive things about Miami, I still agree. I think that this Duke team, we've seen turn the corner after the North Carolina win. We saw them beat Wake, uh, Georgia Tech. Though Georgia Tech's not good, they beat them out of the water. And I think that's really good for uh, an overall just sense of, of their Duke has the talent output. And listen, I, I've talked about this on the show with you. I love Miami. I, I love Isaiah Wong. I think he's probably one of my favorite college players ever. Uh, but they're just talented. Like, I don't think that they're out coaching anybody. I, I believe that this is just guard play and, and Wong's ability to use the screen and roll, uh, Pac's abil- ability to use the screen and roll and, and enforce their own. But I, I think Duke has the athletes to stay in front of them. And in most cases, I could see Duke uh, continuing to roll. And I, I talked about this this morning, but this is a really big game for Duke. Yes, they just beat North Carolina, but they, they go on the road to Miami and then they go directly up in the batter's box as Virginia on the road. So I think that a loss here really is a, a demoralizer. And so I, I would be 
surprised if Duke isn't fully prepped and ready for this game. Yeah, I mean, it should be a close game. The, you know, the number has it that way. Looking at the futures here at Circus Sports, Duke is 45 to 1. You don't see that often. Uh, any interest there at the 45 to 1 number? Honestly, I haven't hopped on and, and I, I don't know if I will. Um, I don't know if they have enough shooters. That's the only issue. Uh, Filipowski, I think, has inserted himself as a lottery pick for sure. Uh, but other than that, like, I don't know. I, Jeremy Roach isn't a guy that I just want <laughs> shooting the basketball in many cases. Uh, and I don't think that they have the pieces overall around them to uh, make a run. But 45 to 1, you're getting into that number range. So as you talked about, this is all a numbers game. And I think if you saw like a 50, like 50 to 55 range just seems a bit crazy for a team that does have so much star power. Uh, I think they, they need more shooting and they need to prove that they can play uh, and I'm not too quick to buy because they do have a tough strength of schedule. Like I think if they lose to Miami, they lose to Virginia. Uh, you could get a good buyback before the uh, Notre Dame game next Tuesday. Yeah, and this is I'm looking at the numbers at Circa Sports in Colorado. Um, Virginia is 39 to one. That seems. What do you high. think about that? Yeah, yeah that Virginia is a very that doesn't. Team. Yeah, 39 to one. I, Geez, if I lived, I might fly to Colorado and bet that number. That's a, that is a, if you, if you're out in Colorado, you got Circus Sports, you got the Cavaliers who rank top 30 in offense and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Uh, you know, that, yeah, they, they have their games where they struggle to shoot a little bit, but, you know, I, I haven't seen too many poor performances by Virginia this year. I, I know they lost at Virginia Tech. That seemed to be a great spot for Virginia Tech on Saturday. I know a ton of pro guys were on the Hokies and they got it done 74-68. But I haven't seen Virginia lay too many eggs this year. Uh, I think they're going to be tough in the tournament. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm looking up now. But um, I do you know what Shedrick's injury was for uh, Virginia? Checking now. No, that's, Did not take that's a good yeah, so uh, I don't have that news. That would be important to know. Um, he has been struggling overall this whole year, so I think that there's like nagging injuries. But I will say this: this is a very, very um, competent and, and talented lineup. Jaden Gardner was always, has been a good basketball player for quite some time. Kihei Clark is the point guard of all point guards. If you're going to have somebody headed into March, this kid's done it literally probably ten times now. It seems. Uh, Armand Franklin, another really good player. Beekman, another really good player. Like, this is a really talented lineup. At 39 to 1, uh, I would be hopping on. Tony Bennett, the, the man himself, running the whole ship. So, like, you know that you're going to get good coaching. You know you have a talented lineup. Uh, 39 to 1 does seem like. Uh, if I was choosing Duke or Virginia to, to, to put some lunch money on, 39 or 45, I'm, I'm taking Virginia every single day of the week. Yeah, and like I said, they have four losses. They lost by eight at home to Houston. They lost by two at Miami. They lost by three at Pittsburgh, and they lost by six at Virginia Tech. Though, though, I don't view any of those as like really poor performances. So I think they've been really consistent throughout the year. So that's that's an interesting. I got I got a noodle with this. I got to see what what the numbers are closer to home on Virginia. I don't think they're quite at thirty nine to one, but. There might be some value in that number. Um, anything else on Monday, CC, that you're looking at? Uh, any you got any Alabama State, Alabama A and M, anything like that going on tonight? I tried. Um, I, I had a couple. I had a couple overnight, and they both moved uh, three or four points before I woke up in the morning. I don't know who was betting Lafayette versus Holy, Holy Cross overs at six in the morning Central, but somebody was. Uh, Lafayette was 
124 at open and I woke up and it was 126 and a half. So I don't like the over there anymore, but I did. I think this Lafayette team, another team that like obviously <laughs> in a way lower scale, uh, they played they played your team Lehigh the other day. Um, yep. And I, I think that this, this Lafayette team is starting to come together. They're starting to come to form. Uh, their biggest issue has been the ability to score the basketball. They've been on 12 minute runs, 10 minute runs. Like we've seen time and time again, they don't have consistent basketball, but uh, they're having pieces step up. Rivera uh, was cleaning up the boards in that uh, Lehigh game, a game that they came back from quite an ugly game. I don't know if you paid attention to that one, but yeah, uh, uh, I had the over in that game. So it was, it was sweaty, but Vanderbon stepped up. He's a seven footer uh, to be nearly a 300th in the nation team at seven and 18. I do think this, this Lafayette team is pretty good. Uh, Holy cross on the other side. I don't think it's good at all. That two is enticing. Two and a half is, is pretty enticing with Lafayette. Uh, but I, I want to see a couple more games of them doing this and then circle and come back to this team whenever they play. On February 15th, they play Loyola, Maryland. Uh, that would be an interesting one for me to back this Lafayette team. But I have to watch it a couple more times. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying them 100% yet, but I do have my eyes on this. I think Mike Jordan has stepped up a ton as a coach there, and uh, they look like they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah, and this is a team that started the season two and fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, since then they're they're play they're playing much better. They're they're five and four. They have a couple of close losses. Uh, you know, they played Colgate decently. They lost a close one to Lehigh. Um, so yeah, so they're like you said, they're playing much better now, if you look at their record, than they were earlier in the year. Uh, when they were getting they were getting beat pretty handedly by some of these teams. That they, they, you know, they they play that slow pace. The you know th those teams are always tough. If you're not making shots and you're playing a team that plays as slow as Lafayette, that's a nightmare. So yeah, that that's an interesting look. I don't mind that play uh, over Holy Cross tonight. That's something if you're looking for a lean tonight, I, I would definitely agree with. Yeah, for sure. And even if you like, as you were saying, they've, they've kind of cleaned it up. Like if you go to this Colgate game, they lost by twelve. They ended that game on a sixteen-three run. Colgate did. Uh, yep. for Lafayette to lose. So I think that this team is, they would surprise you. I don't know if you can uh, bet futures in their conference. Uh, that would be a Patriot League future. That would be quite dangerous. But um, they're probably rated what? Another in the middle of the pack. If they were rated last, I would, I would potentially take some. But they're rated right under Navy, right above Holy Cross, probably right there. All right, so that's our action we got going on for Monday, another sl uh, small Monday slate. I don't know why there's not more college basketball games on Monday. The scheduling, um, is, the scheduling this year is just absolutely butt cheeks. It has been, yeah. <laughs> it has been miserable all year. I have a uh, show on Monday and Friday. I our show Monday and Friday. It's like eight games on each, and it's just like, come on, yeah. man. How are you going to put yeah. 150 games Saturday, Tom? Like, <laughs> come on. I know it's it's you know I I feel like Mondays used to have more games than you know they they basically have two bigger games than a bunch of really small stuff I, I thought I remember Monday having a little bit uh, bigger selection of games in the past but Tuesday has a good selection there's three games I want to talk to you about on Tuesday one one of the games I like uh, tomorrow the first one though is Marquette at Connecticut this is a big one. Uh, in the Big East, there's a lot going on there. Connecticut, they, they lost at Marquette by six. You know, Connecticut has lost recently to the good teams. 
The the last quote-unquote good team they beat was on January 7th, Creighton. Since then, they've lost to Marquette, lost to St. John's, lost to Seton Hall, beat a bad Butler team, lost to Xavier, beat a bad DePaul team, and beat an awful Georgetown team. Now they come home, Marquette on the road. The the market still loves UConn. Uh, Ken Palm has them around a four-point favorite. They, I think they need to win this game to get – to start getting back into the form they had in the first two months of the season. What do you think? Yeah, these are uh, two teams that in my futures market I have nothing to do with. I really don't think either of these teams have it to be the champ. So I I wouldn't say that I like either of these teams a lot, uh, but I would agree the market just too much UConn loves. Like they're four and a half in some shops. You can get a plus plus 150. So the four and a half, probably like 160, 165 uh, money line whenever it pops available. That just seems crazy for a Marquette team who's probably, in most cases, more talented than this UConn team. UConn, again, we've talked about it a million times at this point, but this is a team that just got bought down to the number one spot way too fast. I wouldn't even call it a peak. They didn't peak. They played LIU. They scored 114 on LIU, and every person in the nation was like, man, they're the best. And so I just I think that this is a case of uh, people got hype about this team too early, and now we're starting to see the. The, the teams that you named it, that beat them, uh, what wasn't named is they almost lost to Georgetown. They beat Georgetown by yeah. six in a game that they probably should have lost in most cases. So they sit seven and six um, in conference. Headed, Marquette's headed there, so they are at home. I think that it's a spot that UConn basically has to win uh, with Creighton, Seton Hall, Providence, St. John's coming up. Um, I I think UConn probably wins, but getting four and a half – it just seems crazy. I, I, if you were to price this, I would put it more at like fifty-five percent. So uh, a one-seventy getting a Marquette team that uh, Shaka is always going to have ready to play on the road. I, w- I would take that in most most cases. All right. Well, another game that's going to draw some interest. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this, trying to figure out. You know, geez, the market seems high on TCU. Do they know that TCU doesn't have two best players? <laughs> like a Saturday, I. Oklahoma State opened minus one. And I was like, minus one? There's no Miles. There's no Lampkin. That's a joke. Now, TCU came back from a big halftime deficit, almost won the game. But you look at this, they got Kansas State tomorrow, a team that they destroyed in TCU. But again, they could be down two key players from what I know, unless you know something that I don't. At Kansas State, low line uh what do you think about this game? Yeah, I would have to check on Lampkin news. I'm going to search it while we're looking. But still, uh, okay, Kansas State is a favorite there. That would make sense. Yeah, I think – am I going crazy? Yeah, so Kansas State is a favorite, uh, but I still do think that the market has been pretty off on TCU. I will say I made TCU a favorite in that game uh, versus Oklahoma State even without – Mike Miles, maybe I'm just an antagonist of teams that have really bad offenses. Oklahoma State's offense um, could compete shot for shot with good high school teams, in my opinion. So I, I'm not as concerned about that number. Uh, more interesting to me here is if Lankin and Mike Miles are out, this 147 seems like a really big number. For a Kansas State yeah. team that, yes, has played fast, but uh, we've seen the highs, we've seen, we've seen it fall down at this point. Like, uh, they played Florida to 73 possessions, yet scored 114 points. Um, they're playing fast, but I don't think that they want to play fast by any means. Like they haven't really been efficient in these times. Like they play 73 possessions, score 114. 
they run 80 possessions in a losing proposition versus Kansas. I think in most cases, this slows down to like 68 to 70 range possessions. A TCU team without Mike Miles and um, and that 147 seems a bit high overall. All right, yeah, that, that's a game you're definitely going to want to try to get as much inju- injury info as you can. It's not always easy in college. Now, a game I like, um, big one, big one in the Mountain West, Nevada going to the pit to take on New Mexico. I like New Mexico in this spot. Uh, Nevada's been a surprise this year. They're a very good team, but they've lost their last three on the road to San Diego State, to Boise State, and to UNLV. So when the, when the competition got a little bit tougher, they're having issues away from home. I think this is a good spot for New Mexico. I like the Lobos as a small favorite. You have any opinion on this one? Yeah, New Mexico on at home is always – listen, I, I'm one of the first people to discredit most home court advantage, uh, just like the size that people usually give home court advantage, but there's not many places like the pit. I would agree that is a really tough place to play, and it seems like it's already being steamed up off that three and a half. If somehow you had Pinnacle and you could get a a 108, three and a half, that does seem like a pretty good spot. Um, From a totals perspective, New Mexico is always going to run this pace insanely high. I think the thing that Nevada has basically is just talent. I I do think they're a really talented basketball team. Um, But in a system and coaching perspective, I think that New Mexico – Edges out here in most cases and and has enough to get it done. Jalen House uh, should be playing capable of scoring and scoring in bunches. And it's going to be one hell of a basketball game. Honestly, that 149, I would probably lean towards the over, even though it's such a big number. Uh, Nevada's going to be able to find their own. And this pace is going, yeah. to, be, it's going to be forced by New Mexico at home. So it uh, looks like it's getting bought down a little bit. Maybe, maybe we can get it down to like a 146 I would feel much more comfortable with. All right, so before we go, CCE, we got to get your thoughts. Can't, can't leave without getting the, the UAB thoughts. So they got a big one on Thursday, the rematch with North Texas. I had North Texas versus Rice on Saturday. I love them laying three the, on the opening number. I know Rice got them early in the year, but that's a team they dominated over the recent years. Thought they would come back and beat them. They did. UAB, look out. Here they come. Jelly's back. <laughs> They're playing better. Um, one Four in a row. Lost at North or lost at home to North Texas, sixty-three fifty-two. Now have to go to North Texas. Ken Palm makes this the Mean Green minus four. What do you think about your boys on Thursday? Yeah, listen, I would be the first person to hype up UAB every every chance I get. I really like this basketball team, but I will say uh, one thing on record that probably hasn't been talked about enough. I think that Jelly is still very much hurt. Uh, I was at that FAU game that they won on what last Thursday. I don't think we've had a show since then. Uh, I was there, yeah. watched them play, beat, beat the brakes off FAU, great time, et cetera, et cetera. With probably four minutes left in that game, Jelly had a hard stop or something, and he looked very much disgruntled. He did not. He, he wanted to be out there, but uh, he wanted to be out there only to get the free throws at the end of the game because he knew he could, he could bring up a stat line. Uh, if you look at their game versus FIU on Sunday, I believe they played, Saturday or Sunday, um, he had eight turnovers, two for nine from three. He played 30 minutes, but he was the least efficient he's been all year. He had a 62 efficiency versus an FIU team who was not good. Uh, there, there's no reason that that was a four-point game, and it was only because Jelly is trying to play with a hurt ankle. He is, in my opinion, for sure hurt. Um, if he is still hurt by Thursday, North Texas probably takes care of business, which stinks because I think UAB really needs this win overall for their chance to get into March. But 
Uh, I don't think we can do it without Jelly. The first time we played North Texas, we didn't have a shot without Jelly. They looked uh, far superior. And so if in the next five days he can get good, three days he can get good, uh, amazing. And obviously I take my Blazers, but I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, that first game without Jelly, North Texas held them to 52, one by 11 in UAB. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic because, like you said, it's just a different team with him on the floor. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be healthy by the conference tournament where they could make a run? Um, yeah, I think he'll be fine by then. I, I, he had a high ankle sprain, which he just is an idiot and, and loves basketball so much that he sh- shoots on it. And I'm sure that people can relate to this. They, they're not going to heal. They can't, we've talked about on the show for the last three weeks that I was confident he was going to be back and then he wouldn't be back. The reason I was confident is I physically saw him on a basketball court shooting basketball at 100% game speed. So then he just wouldn't play the next game. And I was like, what? I just saw you play. I just saw you practicing. And so he was on his own playing basketball, uh, which is fine, but he just needs to heal. And, and the kid wants wants to play basketball too much. So I think that he'll be fine by conference play. But in the near future, this North Texas game, we really need to win. I mean, UAB said 17-7. to We're not getting any free passes to get into March. So uh, I think this North Texas game is really big. Um, the win against Florida Atlantic, I think, speaks volumes to the overall ability of this team. Uh, the issue is, I could rant about UAB forever, but I, I'm starting to believe Andy Kennedy isn't as good of a coach as I used to think he was. Uh, there's one guy on this team, Ty Brewer, 15, who I think is probably one of our three best players. 40% minute rate. Uh, he does not see the floor. Uh, 30, yeah, 39-9. And uh, he is our defensive glue. And until AK sees that, and I, I wish I could like text him and DM him and be like, yo, play this kid more. He is special. Uh, but if, 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 if that lineup starts playing, I think the UAB can make quite a run. Uh, they have a really talented team. Yeah, that's going to be a team I'm looking at to bet their to win their conference championship. I still think they're going to be dangerous and potentially get into the NCAA tournament where no one's going to really want to watch uh, face them if Jelly is healthy. Um, so, hey, CC, another great show. Uh, appreciate all the info. Looking forward to this week. Thanks for watching. Hit the books on the Hammer Betting Network presented by Circus Sports. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Experience big gap bets, better money line splits, and the best customer service. Download your new bookie today at circusports.com. CC, I hope you have a great week. Looking forward to another big weekend of college basketball. Thanks for all the information. Take care, and I'll see you next week on Hit the Books. Yes, sir. Appreciate it.